Lab Method Show. I'm Marianne Massad, CEO of Gnosis Group, an IT management consulting and global solutions provider to Fortune 500 companies. I've been in business a long time, 37 years in fact, and what I'm hoping to do on this show is basically share with you lessons learned, the kinds of lessons you can't learn in university. I'm also the author of Move From Employee to CEO of Your Own Destiny. And this book has been about basically the life cycle, cradle to grave, of a business from the time you get the idea in your head to the time you actually sell your business and everything in between. So I hope you'll join me on this fabulous journey for the Massad Method Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Massad Method Show. Uh, this is a show about entrepreneurship and leadership. And every week we cover off a new topic um, in either of those areas. Right now I'm doing a series on my book, Move from Employee to CEO of Your Own Destiny. It's a book about um, starting a business and building a business and selling a business. So basically having a business cradle to grave. And I'm going to cover um, each week uh, another chapter around some of the, the key topics that are pertinent to people who are looking to start a business. So uh, last week, we talked a lot about, um, about finding uh, the right time to start a business and how do you know it's actually the right time to start a business. And uh, this week, we're going, to talking, we're going to be talking about finding your true inspiration. How do you find inspiration for starting your business? How do you figure out what kind of business you need to build? So um, I can just tell you a little story about something that happened to me that affected my, my mindset around what kind of company I would build, because I had thought about so many different things. I thought about, you know, women's fashion because my grandmother and her sisters were in the fashion business. And I thought about restaurants and I thought about, um, you know, network marketing and all that good stuff. But one really key event that happened in my life is I worked on a really big deal with a huge systems integrator that, um, which I subsequently won. And I remember the exact moment I had the, you know, the light bulb, the prefer, the proverbial aha moment. And it really was when we were trying to find the right person to lead the whole engagement. And it was um, a senior program manager, basically. And, and what that means in our business, a senior program manager is really a senior executive that can manage a large project from start to finish on budget, on time, and has particular domain knowledge. So I was working as part of a consortium of several companies, and these were all multi-billion dollar companies. And lo and behold, it was almost impossible to find a program manager who could manage a $20 million initiative uh, with a great track record, like a track record that would stand up to scrutiny, the scrutiny of a client, with specific in this point, it was e-commerce expertise. And we literally had to comb each company to find somebody, not because they didn't have those people, but because they were in such high demand that there was no availability. Nobody was available. And I thought to myself, okay, 
if it is so difficult to find a senior program ma manager and, it, and these people are in such high demand, I am going to start my company and base my company around large scale program and project management, which is basically what I did. And I couldn't have done it at a better time because it was at sort of the the height of the Y2K craze, many of you won't remember that. Maybe some of you are too young to remember that. You're probably little kids at the time. But yeah, we, um, we actually uh, started uh, the business during that time and we specialized in large-scale program management. And excitingly enough, all our clients were looking for that kind of expertise because their Y2K programs were huge enterprise-wide initiatives. They usually involved in a large company, perhaps thousands of people, hundreds of projects, and you needed somebody of that ilk who could manage all of those moving parts, manage the risk and make sure that everything was gonna be delivered on time and on budget because in the Y2K instance, supposedly at the time we thought that if we didn't make all the changes before the year 2000, that some terrible calamity may befall, you know, some of the systems and, you know, rightly so there may have been some issues around financial systems and maybe some of the utilities and hydro systems, et cetera. So, yeah, so that's, that's what I did. I ended up starting this business on that basis. And of course our business has morphed over the years and we've gone from just large scale program management, which ironically became more of a commodity as time went on. Um, and that's, again, another lesson learned in running a business is that something that made sense at one point in time and had, you know, has incredible value and you can differentiate yourself later on on the road of your business may actually have very little value. And that's why it's important to always be staying abreast of trends, constantly educating yourself, networking, talking to different um, uh people or companies in your industry so that you understand what's coming ahead. And even things like economics, because outsourcing had a huge effect on the whole program management space. Because when Canada basically allowed, uh, and the States allowed a lot of the um, Indian outsourcers to come in here, basically bring people in on work permits, pay them Indian dollars basically and have them work here in Canada or the US, charge you know canadian or american dollars but not the same rates as uh as american or canadian companies were charging for those skill sets they were they were probably cutting their prices in half it made it impossible for companies like like mine to compete so we had a we had to find a different way and in our case we basically uh, started to look more for solutions and outcomes, ROI, packaging everything as a fixed price as opposed to per diem based work. And um, yeah, we were able to pivot and we were able to succeed. And in, in fact, we became even more profitable and more successful because of that, you know, that that challenge that we that we encountered. But some of the things you need to be aware of in terms of finding your true inspiration, if you're still trying to figure out what kind of business you want to get into is use different tools. And some of the tools that I've used uh, in the past um, is a vision board or a dream board. And um, it, could, it could involve pictures. It could also involve a diary where you write everything down in terms of what your dreams and your goals are. And in fact, 
I've gone through the exercise a number of times over the years of writing down a hundred goals. And I think Warren Buffett says that's probably not a good idea. You should probably have only four or five goals, maybe three. But I'm, you know, I don't subscribe to that mindset because I think as human beings, we have many different facets to our personality. And you could have a hundred goals that are accomplished over 10 years. So that's roughly 10 goals a year. Maybe three of those goals are business. Maybe three of them are health related. Maybe three of them are, uh, three or four are, are related to um, hobbies or travel or sports or uh, some other aspect of your persona that, that needs development. And the interesting thing is when you start to build these vision boards or these dream boards or start to write down your hundred goals or keep a diary of what your dreams and aspirations are, what your vision is for the future. And you oftentimes go back and look at those documents. I would say that most people would find about 80 to 90% of the things you put out there into the universe, they actually, they actually come to fruition. I know in the case of my 100 goals, I think I accomplished over the course of 10 years, probably 90 of them okay, I didn't accomplish 10, big deal. But um, now I'm at the point where I'm ready to start another 100 goals and, and see where that takes me over the course of the next, uh, the next 10 years. But even things like pictures of, you know, what, what you want your business to look like or what, what kinds of products you want to sell or what kind of lifestyle you want to lead or what work-life balance looks like for you. And for some people, there isn't a lot of work-life balance. For others, it's more important. So, Having a vision of all those things is really, really important because what you put out there, what you meditate upon and uh, focus on is generally what you manifest in your life. Um, the other piece of it, of course, is research. And, you know, we live in an age where information is so plentiful, it's almost too much because if you want to research something, you can research it to death. So, you know, there are different sources, obviously, there are industry associations, there are professional associations, there are technical papers or articles, business articles, there are TED Talks, there are YouTube channels like this, where you can learn so much just by listening 10-15 minutes uh, a week to somebody who may be talking about something that's of, of extreme um, interest to you. So uh, research is really, really key and understanding, you know, again, if you're going to sell a product, understanding the marketplace, understanding the competition, how does the product stand up? What problem does it solve? What kind of roadmap would there be for a product like that? Is it something that, you know, you'd sell for two, three years and you're kind of one and done? Or is it something that could evolve over time? Is it something you could wrap your services around? Um, there, there are just so many things to consider when you're researching a product or a service. The main thing is you have to have a pain you are um, easing or addressing or a problem you're solving. And then the other piece of it is you have to have differentiating capabilities or qualities, because if there's nothing different about you or anything that, that makes you stand apart from your potential competitors, it's going to be next to impossible for you to build uh, revenue uh, on that basis. So making it reasonably unique, um, looking, at, looking at basically your, um, your differentiators, 
looking at your, your, your goals, looking at the problem that needs to be solved, looking at the pain that needs to be dealt with, looking if there's a gap in the marketplace, like I did. I noticed that there was a gap in the marketplace when I started my company. And I was right because I couldn't even keep up to all the demand that was coming my way. Like it was literally insane. Um, it's not like that necessarily today in that area, because I, as I mentioned to you, the whole business changed, but wow, what a, what a good observation I made at that point in time. And I was able to monetize that observation in about uh, what, in a couple of years from that, from that point in time where I had that aha moment. The other piece of it, of course, is listening to your intuition. And again, the example I just gave is a, is a great example too, because not only did I have empirical information because of this situation I was in, but I was also using my intuition about, you know, observing other things that went on in the company that I worked for and always seeing that it came down to having the right person managing the engagement. If you didn't have the right person managing the engagement with the right experience, generally they didn't make money. Those projects didn't make money. They lost money. So understanding your intuition, following your intuition. <coughs> and it could be also intuition that's telling you not to do something. You need to pay attention to that as well. If your intuition is telling you that something doesn't make sense, then generally it probably, it probably doesn't make sense. And you need to listen to that as well. And there are different ways we can develop our intuition. You know, I, I oftentimes have intuitive moments listening to podcasts or listening to um, to music or going for a run or just listening to people. I'll overhear a conversation and something will be heard. And I'll just say, wow, that really, really makes a lot of sense. So that's very important. The other element, of course, uh, for finding your true inspiration and, and getting the right idea is networking. You know, getting involved with industry events and um, professional associations, attending seminars. And again, <clears throat> in those situations, you meet, might meet vendors in your particular profession. So I'm thinking about healthcare just at this particular moment. There's a lot of technology now related to helping healthcare solve their unique problems cybersecurity being one of them. So as a health professional, you might be a health professional, but you're very interested in technology. You're attending a conference like this about innovations in cybersecurity, and you, you start to network with, with a few vendors, and you find vendors that want to sell, want to find a reseller for their products, and they need somebody who really understands the healthcare industry and probably has contacts. Bingo. You have a, you have a, a, a great start to a, to a business idea. So networking is really, really key. Talking to old uh, employers, talking to uh, you know colleagues, uh, old colleagues that you used to work with, just talking and getting gathering information. It's part of the research process. Then finally, really, it, it's about uh, for me uh, meditation and prayer. So if you are just get some water here, if you are going to um, go on the journey of, uh, of building a business, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of, um, a lot of challenges along the way. And for me, my spirituality has been a big, um, foundational piece of my success, I think.
because when I've had challenges, disappointments, discouragement, and even when I've had good things, you know, at good times and great cycles, exciting cycles, growth cycles, I still rely on my meditation and my prayer and listening to spiritual um, um, thought leaders or reading spiritual books because it makes you realize that there is something more than just your business. There is you as a human being, there's your connection to your community, to your fa- well, to your family, to your spouse, uh, then to your community, uh, then to you know your business, and um, and then to your industry as a whole, and uh, and finding kind of that quiet time where you have a little bit of a, a void in terms of um, not being inundated with too much information is just so key to getting inspired. You can't have inspiration without downtime. And for me, downtime means praying, meditating, doing some yoga, <clears throat> listening to, um, to great ideas on the spiritual front. So um, I hope this has given you some good ideas around uh, how you can find inspiration for your business. And next show, we're going to be talking about taking a personal inventory and understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are so that you can figure out how to set up your business in such a way to take advantage of your strengths and to minimize or complement your weaknesses. So thanks again for joining me uh, on the Massad Method show. And I, I look forward to seeing you all again really, really soon. Take care. Bye for now.